Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn, and this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am super excited and honored today to welcome my guest, Dr. Kimberly Leonard. Hi, Kimberly. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so happy you're here. Uh, we're going to have, oh yeah, we've got lots to talk about. <laughs> um, Kimberly is a behavioral optometrist with over 25 years of experience in helping people create a vision and reach their highest potential. Her book, Visualizing Happiness in Every Area of Your Life, which everyone should read, by the way, guides you through a step-by-step -step simple process to customize your life into one of happiness and fulfillment. Her podcast, Incredible Life Creator, is a source of inspiration that will help you find your passion and live an extraordinary life. Dr. Leonard is a one-on-one -on -one mentor and also facilitates group courses and masterminds for people who want to be more, do more, have more, and experience more out of life. So glad you're here, Kimberly. Thank you. I'm excited <laughs> to have this conversation with you. I know. It's so crazy. So I was just on your podcast a couple weeks ago, and uh, we met in a podcast program last summer, and uh, we never really connected. And so it's really be been beautiful to connect with you. It really has. Yeah. So, um, so I just like to start off by asking you something sort of light and fluffy because I know a lot of people are feeling stressed about, you know, what's going on around us. And I know that art is a big part of your life. And so I wanted you to tell me about your art. Oh, yes. Um, so um, I've always been very creative. In fact, creative or creativity is one of my favorite words. Uh -huh. And ever since I was a little kid, um, I liked making things. So I started out by mom, my mom showing me how to sew my doll clothes and when wow. I was nine, she um, decided to start a 4-H club at our house so that she could teach us things. So we learned sewing, crocheting, knitting, uh, macrame, cooking, um, all sorts of crafts, things like that. Uh -huh. And so I've always just really loved doing art. Even as a child, I did art. Um, but when it was time for me to actually start my real job or my real education, uh -huh. I was discouraged from going into art. Why, because, why is that? Because, well, you know, you can't make any money being an artist. So, yeah. you know, I was, that's the myth. Direction. Spell, right? <laughs> that's right. That's what, you know, but you know, that's what good parents do is they try and direct you in a way that they think you'll, that you'll be successful. And so, I started thinking, I thought, well, you know, I would, um, I would uh, like to do something to help people. And that's how I got into the optometry space. Mm -hmm. But then about um, four, almost five years ago, I said, okay, my kids are older now and I have a little more time. I'm not chasing, you know, babies around. <laughs> right. So I think that I would like to start my art again. And so I went to an art class. And ever since then, I've been doing art, especially painting, but I also do stained glass and fused glass and different kinds of art mediums. But my favorite is acrylic painting. Uh-huh. And what do you love about painting? I just like the feel of the brush in my hand. And I... In fact, I would even paint a wagon. I mean, <laughs> I like the feel of the brush in my hands, uh -huh. but I like the ability to 
create something that hasn't been there before from nothing. So if I'm going to paint something, sometimes I'll start planning it a few weeks ahead. So I'm putting it together in my mind. Huh. And then I sit down and I start to, to draw it out or paint it. And, and so then some, something just comes to you like some idea. Yes. Yes. So uh -huh. just something I'm thinking, Oh, I feel like I need to paint this. And then I start painting it. And then as I paint it, sometimes it turns out the way I was thinking, but a lot of times it turns out even more magnificent because as I'm going, I'm just um, in that creative space and it just gets more beautiful and it gets more interesting. And um, one of the things I started painting early on is I painted this little Mandela for myself mm -hmm. called powerful woman Mandela. Oh, I love it. I want to see it. Yes. Uh, it's on my Facebook page under my art under, yeah, under my art, under my photos. Um, but I started out with that and that was for me to feed me. And I put that up in my bedroom and that's to remind myself that I'm powerful and that I have the support of God and the universe and all the, you know, family around me and there's unlimited abundance and riches. And so when I look at that painting, that's what I see. Mm. Um, and after that, I actually painted other mandalas just when I was felt like I was kind of called to, to do them. Wow. And I was, so then I would think about that person. I think about the essence of that person. And then I would make the mandala specifically for them with the blessings them in that particular painting so I love doing that I do other things too but I really love doing the mandalas that sounds beautiful mm -hmm. I would imagine what a what a what an amazing gift to receive you know that you're mm -hmm. that you're getting this inspiration it's like divine inspiration right yes and whatever yes. you feel about the person in fact I would like to tell you a story about actually the second one that I made yeah. It was really interesting. It was a time when I was just going back to dating and I had only gone out with this person, I think once or maybe twice. So uh -huh. I didn't know him well. And it was like kind of far in between times. And I felt like I should make this Mandela for him. Huh. And he was Catholic. Uh -huh. So I made this Mandela with a cross with the the heart of Jesus in the center, the sacred heart of Jesus and uh -huh. some other, um, you know, Christian symbols of just protection and, and love. And, um, so we went out on like our, our third date. And, um, we, like I said, I hadn't talked to him in a few weeks, but I was painting this painting anyway, not even knowing if I was going to see him again. Yeah. And, um, we went to a movie and then after the movie, we came out, I said, Hey, I got, I got a gift for you. And he said, Oh, really? I said, yeah, let me go in my car and get it. So I came out and then I got this Mandela out and I presented it to him and he pulled it out and he looked at it and his whole face brightened up. He grabbed me and kissed me so hard. He's like, he's like, you don't know what this means to me. And, and, and then he looked at it again and he did it again. He kissed me really hard. I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> like what is happening here? <laughs> and he said, he said, first of all, I didn't tell you this. And I don't think you knew this because he was not on social media or anything. He was a, a little bit older. Uh -huh. He said, but today actually is my birthday. 
Oh my gosh. He gave me a gift on my birthday. Uh huh. Wow. But not only that, he said, um, not that long ago, I was in a relationship with someone who is mentally unstable, unstable. and mm -hmm. she has been like stalking him and doing frightening things where he's afraid. He was afraid all the time. He said, I'm going to take this. He said, I'm going to hang this right above my bed. Cause I know because you painted me this, that I know that God is watching over me, that I'm protected. I take care of, I'm going to be taken care of. Wow. That is incredible. When you're inspired to do something and you have no idea why, but you just follow your inspiration. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. That's how my art works. That's how most of my life works. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say because I I read your book and you talked about um, really sort of following this self evolution self growth evolution since you were fourteen. Yes. Right. Yes. So what kind of what kind of things have happened? in your life, you know, like how has, how have you been inspired and um, followed your intuition to evolve and, um, and grow? Um, I think when I was younger, um, I was always a high achiever and very motivated internally. So I was never that child who the parents had to tell me to go do homework. Because uh -huh. I, wanted to I, I was really driven and you, I wanted you mean you mean like how many podcasts have you <laughs> produced since yeah, we started I'm this close to 100 I'm so excited my gosh that's, that's incredible by, will, by, by the way for everyone um, who's listening I think I just published my 45th and I was super excited so Kimberly has been rocking it since we started doing this so yeah you're you're driven Yes. Yes. So I, yeah, I'm going to, I, I promise you, I'm going to hit hundred episodes before my year anniversary. And I'm so excited about that. That's amazing. So, but I mean, I think part of the drivenness though, which is maybe a, a sad piece is I like many people growing up didn't feel quite good enough, mm. you know? So there's wow. that self-esteem thing where it's like, okay, I got to prove myself. Right. But you know, it's like, how good is good enough? Who, de who determines what is good enough? Who says you're not good enough? Exactly. And most of the times it's ourselves. It's, you know, however we're reading what people are thinking or wh whatever, I don't know why, but all I know is I always got um, uh, energy from achieving mm -hmm. and I and I liked the recognition from outside, but even I mostly just like the recognition from myself. Mm -hmm. I'm always, I was always giving myself that recognition. Mm -hmm. And so how did you, how did you start? Um, well, I, my, one of my big questions is how does this optometrist who has the specialized training and focus get into all of these other aspects like into your podcast because you're not talking about optometry at all no you're talking about all this other stuff so I wanted to I wanted to find out like what was the inspiration for you to even start writing your book oh sure um as far as the book um 
I had been doing optometry for a long time and I am a specialist in a certain area and I can talk about that in a minute yeah. just so you understand how, where the connection is. Okay. Um, but um, as my kids were getting into high school, I realized that I would be an empty nester sometime soon. Mm -hmm. And I really liked what I was doing. I had a therapy center for years, which is kind of different than just being a regular optometrist. Um, uh, and I loved helping people and I loved what I was doing, but I felt like with all the knowledge I have, because I have knowledge in natural medicine, bioenergetic medicine, trauma clearing, NLP, whoa, um, uh, all these different areas, because with the therapy I did, we looked at the whole person, everything about them. Uh -huh. So I said to myself, um, I don't want to just work one-on-one -on -one or one-on-a-few I really feel like before I die, I need to share all this information I have with more people so more people can benefit, more people can heal, more people can feel good about themselves. And, um, you know, the main thing that made me go into um, behavioral optometry, which is my specialty, is um, seeing people's self-esteem go up. Mm -hmm. So when I was in optometry school, we... Um, learned, of course, the basic things, check people's eye health, do glasses. And then we had these different clinical rotations. Well, one of them was the pediatric vision therapy clinic. And vision therapy is a special form of functional vision where you teach someone to use their eyes together as a team so they can increase their focus and their eye teaming and their ability to sit and read or comprehend what they're reading. Mm -hmm. And so during my little 10 week stay in that clinical rotation, I was able to work with this little boy and the school was in the inner city, like many schools. <laughs> and, um, he came in with his mom. He was about nine years old. And, um, when they came in, I noticed that he was a very, uh, polite, gentle, you know, boy, very, uh, soft spoken, but he was so shy he wouldn't look up he was just looking down at the ground and so we got them started in this program and i was just doing what i had been taught i'd never done it before but i was just going along with the, the steps of what i was told to do to help this child and um the mother had um you know they put it on a sliding scale so she could she, she could actually afford it because therapy right. is quite expensive right they came every week like clockwork and they did their homework like they were supposed to. And after about four, five weeks, I noticed that Darren, that was his name, Darren was coming in and instead of looking down at the ground, he came in and his face was up and his face was bright Aww. and he'd come in smiling and happy and he'd, you know, greet me and say, hey, how are you? And I said, good. And, and so after the, I said, so Darren, I noticed that you know, you seem much happier. I said, has anything changed since we started doing this? And he said, well, yes. Um, I don't feel stupid anymore. Wow. And I said, what do you mean you don't feel stupid anymore? And he said, well, when I used to have to read out loud in class, everybody would laugh at me because I couldn't read. Aww. But now I can read and nobody laughs at me. Aww. So I thought about that and I said to myself um, you know I could replicate that 
over and over and over and over and over again and helped lots of people. Mm-hmm. And so when I got out of school, I, I found a fellowship where I could learn that and specialize in it. And, um, you know, since then I've expanded. So when we look at people we're working with doing that type of thing, um, we look at the whole person. So even though, yes, I'm an eye doctor, your diet is very important. If you have allergies, it's very important. Um, if you have emotional issues, it's very important. <laughs> Yeah. All these things come into, because if you're under stress, your vision gets blurry. I don't know if people know that, but if you're really stressed out, your vision is going to get blurry. I've been noticing that with myself the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is kind of interesting. huh? <clears throat> and there's so many things that go into that. And so mm-hmm. I've worked with people with head injuries where we've had to rebuild their brain pathways from, you know, injury. Uh And a lot of those people after that, even when the doctors say, oh, you're fine, they still have problems with dizziness, they still run into doors. And so, you know, we work with them uh, that way when I, you know, in in the clinic that I had. Um, And I worked with business people who they said, you know, even though I'm the president of my company and I've done very well financially, I'm always afraid to stand up in front of a group because my focus isn't good or um, when I have to sit and and actually read something, I get too nervous and I can't focus and I can't read it. So I'll have an assistant or somebody read it for me. And these are people who have done well, but because they had this hidden problem going on that they didn't know about until now. Mm -hmm. And then once we handle that, what goes up is the self-esteem. So I went into what I was doing because every person I work with their self-esteem goes up. Wow. And it's like um, when you work with someone's vision and their brain and their neurology, it's like you're peeling an onion. So at first the person, a lot of times we do visual fields on people and their visual fields are like this. And I'm, for people who can't see me, I'm putting my hands beside my face like I'm a horse, you know, like I have blinders (laughs) on. Blinders, right. So a lot of people, they're looking around and they're looking like they're looking through binoculars or something. They don't know that's the way their vision is, but that's the way it is. And so they're very unaware of what's going on around them. So that can make them very anxious and uptight. Uh-huh. Um, and when we open up their field by just taking layer by layer, many things happen. One, they become more able. Two, they feel like, oh, I have more confidence. Hey, I can do that. Maybe I can do something else. Um, I worked with the woman who... She had come in and she was with a boyfriend who wasn't very nice. She was in a job she didn't like. She was way overweight. And she came in because she was having issues at the computer. Uh We worked with her. By the end of the therapy, she got rid of the boyfriend and got a new one. She got a new job and she lost weight. Now, did I teach her to do any of that stuff? No, but she felt enabled. She was able to see more of the world. So when you're looking at the world through just a little lens like this like a little bit it's like looking at a big jigsaw puzzle Uh and you only can see a few pieces right and you don't really know where those pieces fit in with everything right And so if what you're looking at is comfortable and happy then you're going to feel happy but if what you're looking at is disturbing or upsetting you're going to feel upset and you're not going to understand why but Mm -hmm. as soon as you open up someone's field in every area not just physically, but physiologically, emotionally, even even spiritually. Like although I usually don't spiritually. tell that. <laughs> <'Cause> yeah. <laughs> but it, it does. It opens everything up. Then you can see the whole picture. Then you can walk around. You can make great decisions. It increases your possibilities. Increases your 
ability to choose because now all of a sudden you see what the choices are. Uh -huh. it, chooses, it increases your opportunities to do new things. So, so you're a, so you're a holistic um, visioner. Yes. It's, it's like base. It's like basically you teach people how to expand their perspective. That's exactly. not just their vision. That's right. Expand their perspective because when you look from a different perspective, everything looks different. I mean, let's say you're at church and you're sitting down in the third row. Uh huh. You're looking at the, at the stage, and then you go up in the balcony. Nothing looks the same. Right. Okay, you can assess the whole room and see what's going on and see who's doing what over there and this guy's sleeping over there. <laughs> but you can see that in the th front row. Right, right. So sometimes all I do with people when I'm working with them, not just with the vision, but like in life, is just move them. I said, okay, let's just move over here and take a look from this place. Uh-huh. And it opens everything up for them. Wow. And so you were, were you trained as a therapist? <laughs> this is what therapists do too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a uh, all, all around, you know, that's when I, when I wrote my book, visualizing happiness in every area of life of your life. It's because all the areas need to be opened up and working together. Now I know mm -hmm. sometimes we're stronger in one than the other. I know there's sometimes I'm exercising more <laughs> and other times I'm, uh, you know, doing more mental stuff. Uh -huh. So it's, hard to be balanced every I don't I don't think there's even such thing as balance but it's hard to be at a hundred percent in every area but to try and keep it at least on an even kill so you feel good in every area of your life uh-huh well the I think the balance is always um, I don't want to say a goal <clears throat> but a process you know that we're always I mean I, I feel like that's what's happening um, in this time is that people are recognizing where their lives are imbalanced yes right? Way imbalanced. And mm -hmm. so it's like when you have, when you're just forced to just be quiet, you know, for all mm -hmm. of the people who are, who are staying at home, um, then you recognize all of the things that you used to think were so important really aren't so valuable and meaningful anymore. Exactly. Right. So exactly. how are we going to recreate, you know, like ch changing our perspective mm -hmm. of what's, important in our lives so that when things start opening up again, it's like, Oh, how can I change my perspective and create a new vision for what I want my life to be? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, um, I would think right now is a time when people can really assess where they're at. So when I was, when I'm doing my work, the first thing I do is assess where someone is at uh -huh. Or that person helps me do that but you assess where you're at and then you think, okay, in light of what's happening right now and the choices I have right now, which direction do I want to move? Mm -hmm. And I think people can use this as an opportunity right now. And, you know, I've heard, I heard someone who was speaking recently, I can't remember who it was, but they said, you know, the people who are taking um, advantage of the opportunities right now, they were already kind of going towards like being online. They were already going towards the future ahead of everybody else. And that's why now when this is happening, some people are really um, flourishing. Mm -hmm. I mean, flourishing and making so much uh, money and they're having success. And uh, this, because they were already 
they already knew where they were going mm-hmm. ahead of all this. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then some of us, it was just like, and it's for most of us, it was like something just crashed into the room. You know, an elephant just came through the ceiling. <laughs> We're like, what are you going to do with this elephant in here all of a sudden? <laughs> you know, and, 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 and we have to get flexible. Yeah. You know, hey, we got to live in this room. There's an elephant in here. So how are we going to live in this room with this elephant? <laughs> right. <laughs> New ways of living and being. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so why did you start, why did you write the book and can you, can you sort of go through the process of what the book introduces? Mm -hmm. Sure. So I wrote the book because I wanted to have an opportunity to actually um, teach and train and speak. And even though I've had all this training, I thought, well, I need one more thing to give me credibility. Of course, that not good enough thing, right? Not good enough. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, will a hundred podcasts make that good enough? (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) But, um, you already are Dr. Kimberly, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, uh, I, I wrote it because I wanted to have people find out what gives them the most happiness and joy in their life and then live that life. Um, my mission in life, my personal mission that I came into the world with is that, um, I want people to feel like they're loved and that they're important. Mm -hmm. I want them to feel like when they share their unique gifts and talents and they bless the world with their unique gifts and talents, that they are celebrated and you're not forgotten. Mm -hmm. No one wants to be at the end of their life and be forgotten. Yeah, to say like my life didn't matter. Right. Uh-huh. No one wants to be forgotten. Uh-huh. And so, you know, to, to not have that happen, we have to think about today, how do I want to live my life? Mm-hmm. So that when I get the end of it, I'm going to look back and go, oh, yeah, I, I loved people. I contributed. Um, who doesn't want that? And who doesn't want to just have a day to day life that has joy in it? I mean, um, I'm always telling people that life is like a sine wave, you know, happy, sad, good, bad, you know, goes up ebbs, and, ebbs like and flows. It ebbs yes. and flows. And we get half and half, but it all has to do with how we react to it. Mm-hmm. And part of it is let's not let it go way up here and then way down here. Because that's like a drug. Even life can be a drug when you're way up here ecstatic and then you're way down here depressed. So if we could just kind of do a little even sign wave real close to the line, I think life is much uh, happier, uh, more comfortable, mm-hmm. more wonderful. But don't don't you feel like the depths of um, the depths of the low that you feel? also are a reflection of the highs that you can feel? Oh, definitely. So I think that when you're having a feeling, feel it strongly because we're here in bodies. Uh We're here in bodies to experience life. And life is about feeling pleasure and and feeling pain. It's Mm -hmm. it's for both. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We don't like feeling the pain, but we wouldn't know what pleasure was if we didn't feel pain. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wanted to actually ask you about this because I know that while you were writing the book, your fiance died. And when I read that, my heart just went out to you. And I thought, oh my gosh, what an awful, awful thing to happen in the middle of you writing about visualizing happiness. Yeah, it was really shocking. Um, uh, he, uh, he had, um, it was, su- it was sudden. I mean, he had kind of felt kind of bad for a c- couple weeks, mm-hmm. just thought he had a cold or was just under the weather and he wasn't mm-hmm. sleeping well. And, and, um, I talked to him at lunchtime before I went in to see patients on a Monday and, um, he, uh, then I, that was the last time I talked to him. And the next morning, I couldn't get a hold of him. I couldn't get a hold of him that evening. Um, I called his, his one of his business associates, who they had meetings every morning, and they said he hadn't. He didn't show called up. Called in. He didn't show up. They haven't been able to get a hold of him. And so finally, I you know I asked uh, a gentleman who was also worked with him, but was kind of like his second son, if you will, like adopted son Mm -hmm. can you go check and see what's happening with glenn and he found him he had fallen asleep he had just died in his sleep with a phone in his hand so i thought to myself i wondered if i'm the last one that he talked to because the coroner said he died like a few minutes after we had talked so it was just it was so shocking and so upsetting and um and i i was I didn't really know how to react. Um, of course not. And, and, and I was, uh, I was upset at him in a way. Like, okay, why do you? I was even asking myself, why did you have to leave me? Why don't you take me with you? You know, <laughs> even you know, it's just just not fair to just leave like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we don't have too much control over that, but. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very devastating, and it probably took me a good year, year and a half to get through that, because I had planned to kind of go out and start do training and stuff, but I really wasn't, I really wasn't able to, and maybe that's a long grieving period, but it just... No, it's, I I actually think it's a short grieving period. So, yeah. I mean, I, I just, when because one of the last chapters you wrote the day after he died and I thought how can she be writing this I mean I would just be you know in a big mess crying my eyes out which you probably were while you were writing it anyways yeah I cried for a long time yeah and I know anyone who has lost someone you know I don't think unless you've lost someone close to you you just don't understand you just don't understand the when the nighttime comes and you're there alone just with your tears it's just uh, yeah I don't even know how to describe it It, but I I now whenever someone says they lose somebody oh my goodness I so understand and I you know Uh, try and reach out because I understand the feeling and even though some people say well Facebook is kind of surfacey or whatever I'm telling you when I when that happened and I told people that that happened and they just reached out just by saying sorry Mm -hmm. every every person who commented 
it meant something to me. Mm-hmm. It did. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for sympathy. I would just, no, I, but it validated I felt your so, yeah. Oh yeah. I just, I just felt so kind of sick inside. I remember saying to my mom, mom, I think I'm sick, but I'm not sick, uh-huh. but I felt physically sick, uh-huh. but I wasn't, it was just emotional, you know, broken heart. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that people reaching out really, you know, made a difference to me. Uh, and if they don't know what to say, because I think, I think that's the tricky thing about grief. People feel awkward because they don't want to say, how are you doing? Because they know that you're not doing well, right? right. <laughs> um, but just to say, I'm thinking about you, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sending you love or I'm, you know, sending you a hug or mm-hmm. something to let you know that, um, that you're, that they acknowledge that you're grieving yeah. and your sadness. Yeah. And I think just the most important thing I think is, at least this is how I felt. I just wanted people to know that there was somebody really important to me mm-hmm. who I loved and they weren't not, they were no longer there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was important that they, that they were gone. It was important for people to know that this special person who should be here is gone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the acknowledgement I wanted is that, yeah, I lost somebody. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think um, a lot of people who have lost somebody in this COVID time are probably feeling the same way. Oh, yeah. You no, know, this sure. is, this is the, this is the, the cycle of life that we don't generally talk about is death. And for the people that do lose someone, it is very difficult. So how do you, how can you, um, can you talk about maybe how it's helpful to grieve? And I'm wondering if finishing writing the book was healing for you. Oh yeah, that was definitely healing for me to write that chapter that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very healing. And um, <clears throat> I think it's important to grieve because um, there's, a, there's a book that I was recommended so many years ago, maybe, maybe 15 or 20. <clears throat> it's called Feelings Buried Alive Never Die. Oh, wow. And... And it's true. And when you hold those feelings inside, it's my belief that you're going to get physically sick in uh-huh. some form. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to be physically sick. Um, so I, I think it's really important to take those feelings out, cry as much as you need to, you know. And I think the other thing is a support of Get angry. Like, get why, angry. Did you leave, why did you leave me? We were yeah. nine weeks to, until we were supposed to get married. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause when he died, then all the dreams died, you know, uh-huh. M- you know, moving into the new house, having, you know, everything you think about when you're about to get married. Yeah. I mean, he sounded like an amazing person, the love that he had for you. Mm-hmm. you so know? amazing. So you, you said he made me feel so beautiful and so cared for. And I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just a wonderful person. And not only that, it, he was just brilliant. Uh-huh. And, um, I, you know, it's, 
it's so hard to be in a relationship and find someone that has the caring, has the loving, and not only that, but they're brilliant. You know, yeah. <laughs> can you get it? Can I have it all? <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, and you know, I still, I still miss them. Yeah, of course you do. You know, of course, I moved on. I've been in, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a relationship now with someone, and uh-huh. um, you know, but I, I think the thing that helped me the most is when I started to feel sad because yeah, there are times to cry, but there's times I actually went back to work. I started working a lot because I couldn't be at home by yeah. myself. Yeah. So when, when I'm at work, I didn't want to start crying in the middle of the day. The patient to be, why is she crying? So I would help myself by saying, okay, let's remember something light and beautiful and happy mm-hmm. remember the times when you, you know you guys used to sit on the deck and just look at it like linear mm. and you know talk and just spend time together um so i i would think about all those things so i would take that sad feeling and i would turn it into a happy memory because mm-hmm. i think about happiness and this will you'll read this in my book but the mind cannot tell the difference between what actually is happening and what you're imagining in your mind so if every time I think about only the bad things or only the sad things, that means I get to experience them over again. And my mind doesn't really know the difference. And I'm going to have those same physical, emotional reactions. Responses, yeah. Right. But if I, if I, as soon as I start feeling that way, if I say, okay, I want to think about something good, or, you know, a lot of people say, well, think about something you're grateful for. That's really helpful too. Whenever we're grateful, it's really hard to be sad. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would think of a, of a good time. And so how do people visualize their happiness? I think um, they should ask themselves some questions. First of all, who are they at their essence? Who are they? What is important to them? Mm -hmm. What is valuable or their values? What are they passionate about or what do they like? What kind of people do they like to hang out with? What kind of activities do they like to do? And just really assess and say, okay, if I had an ideal day, what would it look like? And if we can actually even take all the extra stuff away, like responsibility by saying, okay, let's say I didn't have to go to work Uh and I didn't have to make I didn't have to take care of my children. Yeah. Let's just say in (laughs) an ideal world. If, you know, if you could get up in the morning and do whatever you wanted to do, what would you do? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd get up and paint mm-hmm. and then I would get up and connect with people. I would, um, I think I was telling you before this, done. I am like so addicted to doing the podcast. I love connecting with people. I love meeting new people and I love learning from people. Yeah. There's so many wise people. And love listening to their wisdom and learning and then taking the parts that I think can help me in my life and adding them to my life. And I love connecting people to each other. So if I see two business people I think can help each other or um, this morning I was talking to someone in my mastermind and I was telling her about what I was doing. She said, well, this attorney that I have, he's about to retire. 
because he can't focus anymore. You feel like he's losing his memory. She was giving me all these symptoms. I'm like, oh no, I know what I can that help is. Him. I, can, I can help him. He's about to retire because of that. So those connections are so important. Those little thin threads that keep us together. So whenever I can help, I want to, I want to help whenever I can connect to people and it um, benefits both or one or the other, then that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. You have this really beautiful soul, Kimberly. <laughs> when I was reading, I just, I was just like, my heart was just really full. <laughs> yeah. So um, your mission is so important. I mean, I, I feel like this is what all of us want. You know, we all want to be seen, yeah. seen, not yeah. just, yeah. not just externally, right. You know, but what's on the inside of us. And I think a lot of times when you were asking those questions, I think a lot of times people have not even ever given themselves permission to think, what do I want? because I'm too busy living my life according to what other people want or what other people expect of me. Yes. And so to turn that, that focus and that perspective onto, oh my gosh, so what I want and need is actually important and valuable. And, and it really is. It's so important because I don't see how you can love another when you don't love yourself mm -hmm. have to love yourself first and give yourself permission to go into your quiet space mm -hmm. and spend whatever time you need or maybe do it a few you know throughout the week or over some weeks and just figure it out what it is that would make you happy life is so short um which you uh, learned <laughs> Yeah. Which you yeah. learned. How old was Glenn? Um, he was in his 60s. But still, mm -hmm. I mean, that's still young. I mean, people live yeah. till, you know, 80s and 90s. Yeah. Yeah. What actually really started me on this journey is when I um, had first opened my private practice. I got a call from Michigan, which is where I'm from. I live in Georgia, mm -hmm. but um, my family still lives in Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, that my dad was in the hospital. Mm. And what had happened is that two cars had collided into him, both of them at the same time, because oh it was an icy, icy road in Michigan. Uh -huh. His car was totaled. Wow. He was on the edge of life. He had crushed organs and broken bones and he, it wasn't, it wasn't good. Um, and I had this realization I shouldn't cry now, but I, I just, it was so huge for me that in one millisecond, mm -hmm. my dad could have been gone. Mm -hmm. He could have just been, and that can happen to anybody, any age, mm -hmm. you know, accidents happen, things happen. Um, and I really started looking at my life and saying, okay, what's important because mm -hmm. again, that driven piece of me, I was working all day and then picking up the kids from the nanny and then bringing them back to the office. 
<laughs> I'm like, okay. Well, after that, I changed my schedule so that I was working four days a week with my kids Saturday and Sunday and had my own personal day on Friday. So, you know, little things, people can do little things. It doesn't have to be something huge. Even if it's, you're going to give yourself two hours to just do whatever it is you want. Get a babysitter, whatever. <laughs> Well, it's like people are so used to just surviving that they're not really living. Yeah. Right. And this is, this is all of, of, of what you're talking about is finding your happiness through really living, finding the things that bring you joy, finding the things that light you up, finding the um, connections that are meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. You know, what was that um, five things that people regret before they die? Yeah, that they never regret working too much. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they regret not spending enough time with the people they love. Uh-huh. And they regret um not doing things that made them happier as opposed to doing things that make other people happier. Exactly. You know that your own happiness um is important. Your own joy matters. Yeah, it does. Because that's when you shine. That's when you um, find meaning and purpose. You know, those are, those are the breadcrumbs that you were talking about mm -hmm. that lead you to your, I think, your, your truest self, your most authentic expression of who you really are. Yeah, that's true. And as you talked about purpose, you know, I want to say something about that and when someone is living in the world and they're just surviving, but they're not living their purpose, because we all have a purpose. In fact, I think we have many purposes. Mm -hmm. um, but whenever you have special gifts that you're not sharing, the world suffers because they don't have that gift. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of selfish. It's actually selfish to not be selfish. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you have to look at yourself, love yourself, take care of yourself first, be that you know, take care of that. And then you can give to others and then you can make a big mark in the world. Who doesn't want to make a big mark in the world? Well, and I, and I think maybe it's not even really being selfish. It's just being self-doubting. Like mm. it doesn't really matter. You know, it's not that big of a deal. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, we're all, we're all here to be the fullest expression of ourselves. We're all here to give and receive love. We're all here to find joy. You know, we're all here to um, experience what it is being human in all of the emotional aspects, you know, the, the deep sadness and the great joy. You know, they're all part of what makes us human and they're all um, expressions and, ref and reflections of the divine, I think. You know, that, that our spirit and our essence and our hearts and our souls are all connected. And so whatever I see that's beautiful in you, you know, it reflects back to me and vice versa. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, so I think that your work, like, I just feel this really powerful visioning for you. Mm -hmm. You know, that you are helping people um, visualize their highest potential. 
yeah, that, that's my goal. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> wow. Who knew that an eye doctor could do all this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think all of us are unique and special and we all come out differently. The molds yeah. are broken after yeah. every person's made. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, and it really is about coming back to this deep sense of honoring who you are. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, why, why did I study all the things that you studied? You know, you were an eye doctor. It's like, no, I have this holistic perspective. It's like, if we can look at ourselves as whole, as whole, mm -hmm. right? And, and each, um, every day we're different. You know, every moment we're inspired by different things or we have these different intuitions that lead us on this very circular path. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not linear. Definitely not. That I mean, we, we, no pretend, we pretend it's linear. We pretend we can control it. Yes. But it's not. not. Oh, no. It'd be so boring if it was. It's the <laughs> curves that make it fun. Exactly. <laughs> Am I going to go stay on the curve? Am I going to fall off? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's this um you know enjoy the journey mm -hmm. not don't be so hard on yourself you d and i'm talking to you right now you don't have to achieve anything you are enough as you are and continue to be inspired continue to follow your inspirations you know, continue to explore more aspects of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I enjoy doing that. I enjoy doing that with myself and, like I said, with other people. Yeah. Other people have so much to, to add to life and mm -hmm. uh, different distinctions uh -huh. that we can learn from. Different perspectives. Different perspectives. Different perspectives. So... What a beautiful gift that you're giving um, the world to help everybody change their perspective and open it up, you know, so that they can see like the infinite potential of the universe. That's right. It is infinite. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to be um, considerate of your time because I know you have another call coming up. So what do you, <clears throat> I always end the podcast with this question. How do you define real love? Oh, wow. I define real love. That is a really loaded question. I know. I think it's what you were talking about earlier. Being seen and acknowledged and seeing and acknowledging another. Mm-hmm. So Kimberly, mm -hmm. I see and acknowledge you. Thank you. And I see and acknowledge you. Thank you. So how can people um, find you? The easiest place is probably my Facebook page. And my name is spelled different. It's Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y mm -hmm. and Leonard, L-I-N-E-R-T. Mm -hmm. um, I also have a... Um, website, drkimberlyleonard.com, 
and you can find the podcast there on iTunes or on Spotify and several other places. Yeah. Um, but please connect with me. Um, I just love to talk to anyone that would like to talk about what I like to talk about, which is being the best person you can be. Yeah. And finding the most happiness out of life. Yes. And do you, do you think that happiness is a choice? I think that we get to choose every day how we want to feel about a certain situation uh-huh. or whatever situation we're in. So in some ways it is, but I might have differed with you the, the, the day I, I, you know, found out Glenn died. <laughs> totally might have differed with you on that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, I could choose happiness, but it would be messed up. <laughs> no, no. I, no, I just no, I just mean of course you honor your feelings. Yes. But I I'm just talking about an overall sort of perspective on life. Mhm. Let me change the words a little bit then. Yeah. I think you can choose joy. Okay. I think happiness is situation specific. Uh-huh. But you can choose joy every day no matter what's happening. Yeah. You can find joy amidst the pain. Yes. Yeah. You have a beautiful perspective, Kimberly. Thank mm-hmm. you for sharing it today. Well, thank you so uh, much for having me on. <clears throat> yeah. So um, for all of our listeners here, I'm sure you will love this conversation. There's so much beauty and wisdom um, from Kimberly. And so please subscribe to the Wake Up to Real podcast. Also find Kimberly um, at the Incredible Life Creator podcast. and. Um, And for everyone, I I always say this, that the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. So it starts with changing that perspective about yourself, you know, finding the things that bring you joy and really loving yourself and accepting yourself so that then you can offer that to others as well. So um, thank you so much for being here with me. It's really been a privilege and an honor, and I hope that we can continue to have many more conversations. We will. Thank you so much, Don. All right. Thanks, Kimberly. Everyone, um, always remember, wake up to more and more real love every day. Take care, everybody. See you next time.